Hi everyone, and welcome to God's Plan, Your Part, a podcast where our goal is to read the entire Bible in a year, seeking to understand God's plan of redemption while discovering daily and practically your part in it. Have you ever tried to rush God? Like maybe you thought he was taking way too long to do what he was supposed to do, and you thought you could help him by making a better decision than waiting. Uh, that seems to be exactly what's going on in today's reading. Uh, we are looking at 1 Samuel 13 and 14. It's sort of our first look at Saul as king, and unfortunately, it's not great. Saul kind of shows his hand a little bit as the first king, right? So oftentimes with fame and um, attention, in this case being the king, uh, you kind of get the idea in your head that you are kind of above, above the law or above the expectations everybody else has to follow. Um, and I think it's that in hand in hand with, um, I think maybe Saul thought he was doing a good thing by making these sacrifices um, and just took it upon himself to like do what the priests need to do, correct? Like that's the whole premise here. Um, so he makes these sacrifices and Samuel shows up and says, dude, what are you doing? Like you have completely ruined what, like the Lord was going to continue with you. Uh, verse 14 of chapter 13 says, But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be a prince over his people because you have not kept what the Lord has commanded you. So like, again, uh, we kind of see this with Moses a little bit. Obviously, it's not the same person at all. But uh, when Moses gets frustrated with the people and he smacks the rock and he kind of just like takes it on his own impulsive anger, it's kind of like what Saul's doing. Like, oh, I'm going to take some time to do some sacrificing on my own, I guess. Um, whereas he, he might have thought he was doing a good thing, but really was just like super impulsive and thinking he's above above the law of what God commands. I was actually reminded reading over this about Nadab and Abihu. Yeah. who like offered the sacrifice, like the fire, they offered the fire in an odd way. Some people think they were drunk. Some think people think like the power was just going to their heads. Uh, but God like executed them on the spot for not offering sacrifices correctly. And Saul would have known this story most likely. So Saul is just really willy nilly with yeah. God's rules and, and God's plans. Um, and you get that, you get that throughout the, the passage that we read today. It was interesting, too, as I kind of, like, reread a little bit of this section about his unlawful sacrifice. Um, what it sounds like is he was waiting the time for Samuel to come and make the sacrifices. Uh, but it says the people were scattering from him. So he's almost, like, getting, like, like twitchy, nervous. Like, oh, my gosh, everybody's starting to leave. I have to do this on my own. Um, and then he takes the... the the, what is it, the burnt offerings and the peace offerings and just does it himself. Um, and Samuel's actually really ticked with him and like, dude, just chill. You're not supposed to do that. And now God's not going to continue with you. Yeah, it, it is like he's not concerned about what the Lord wants. He's mm -hmm. concerned about the people. Yeah. And man, that, that seems applicable. Like it seems like that is Achilles heel. Well, I mean, it's the Philistines, but it's also the Israelites that are leaving him. Yeah, yeah. And I think that is applicable to today. Like if you... If you are more concerned about what people think of you than what the Lord thinks of you, that is not good. And I think I think there are many places that struggle. Um, individuals like churches, um, groups, they, they struggle because they're trying to put the Lord's plans together without the Lord. Mm -hmm. And that is exactly what Saul is doing here. He's like, okay, whatever. I'm, I'm just going to do it my way. 
uh, it's a it's a rush and it's it's foolish. So, like yeah. Samuel actually says, you have done foolishly. So we kind of see that already. He's rejecting God or like God's directions and rules. And what's interesting is you go into chapter 14. So he's already like pushed off God and the expectations. Now he's starting to like, you see this little weird kind of seed of jealousy with his um, son, Jonathan. And that is going to grow and grow yeah, and grow. Yeah, which is yeah. so weird too. So he's already like... He's already had strike one. Mm-hmm. Okay. This feels like strike two coming up. Also, during strike one, Samuel says, like, the Lord has abandoned your kingdom mm-hmm. already. Like, so he, he knows. He wants somebody after his own heart, and it's not you. Yeah. So, like, we don't know how. We know that Saul reigned for 40 years. Um, it says that, I think, in Acts um, later on, that Saul reigned for 40 years. Which is not much time. Um, but In that time. Exactly. Like, this is, this is not good for Saul. Yeah. So basically, we come into the next part, um, and it it seems like Jonathan is starting to like gain traction with the people. Yeah, and I don't think Saul likes that because he already knows he's screwed up, and somebody else is going to come after him and take his place. So he's already just like tense in general. But then the people start clinging to Jonathan uh, because Jonathan, the text says um, specifically in the first verses of fourteen that Jonathan shows his trust in God. Um, he says, nothing can hinder the Lord from saving many or by few, saving by many or by few. Um, so he's like the total opposite of Saul. And it's radical trust in God. Mm-hmm. Like he's saying, hey, God, um, if they answer this way, we'll, we'll leave. If they answer this way, we'll attack them. Yeah. And it's just Jonathan and his armor bearer. It's just two guys. Mm-hmm. And they put this entire camp of Philistines on the run because the Lord is fighting for mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it actually says there's an earthquake yeah. of people running. And again, this is the fulfillment of that promise of when they obey the Lord, the Lord will fight for them. And like very few of them will chase off a lot of their enemies. So we've mm-hmm. seen this happen a couple times now where somebody is faithful to the Lord and armies just like flee from before them. Well, it says there's like a great um, panic that was among them, which mm-hmm. is interesting. But then we get into the next part of the chapter, which made me laugh like pretty hard because he like... Saul is the one that, like, totally disregards what he's supposed to be doing when it comes to, like, sacrifices. And then in this section where he, like, makes a vow, basically, against Jonathan, he's also telling the people, like, uh, let every man, this is chapter 14, verse uh, 34, let every man bring his ox or sheep and slaughter them here and eat. And do not sin against the Lord, eating with the blood. So he's, like, (laughs) real strict about it. Like, don't do this because the Lord's going to be mad with you. But he, like, actually was so terrible with his decision-making that he's the one that's, like, not going to be in power soon. So it's funny how he's, like, totally chill with screwing up himself, but then, like, micromanages, make sure you keep the Lord happy. And the people are actually eating the meat with the blood in it because he made them not eat all day long. Mm-hmm, he said mm-hmm. they'd be, they would be under a curse if they ate at all. And so as soon as it's sundown and they're allowed to eat again, they're like, oh, my gosh, get me something to eat. I'm so yeah. hungry. Uh, and then he commits Jonathan to death. Uh, oh, my we word. See, we see the umum and the thumen at uh, at use here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had talked about that all the way back, talking about Aaron's high priestly garments. And we said that we don't know a lot about those objects, but they seem to be kind of like um, a, a way to discern the will of the Lord. It's like almost like <laughs> a yes, that, no. Like, <laughs> the weird like weight on your Yeah, shoulders. it's sort of odd. But <laughs> it, here where he uses it, he literally says like, Almost like heads or tails. Like if it's me, yeah. make it umum. If it's him, make it thumum. Uh, it, it's literally like you'd say, I'm going to flip this. And if it's heads, it's you. Yeah. Um, but it, it does reveal that Jonathan has broken the oath. And Jonathan did break the oath, even though he wasn't 
there when it was taken. Yeah. Um, so he it's may... Actually, what do you say about that? He may not have been under it uh, because he wasn't there. Yeah. Uh, it's it's very similar to how they solve the getting wives for the Benjamites. They're like, well, this, this one whole city didn't send any representatives, so they're not under the vow. Um, that was back at the end of Judges. Now, Judges is not mm. a great way to make decisions on how to live your life. Um, <laughs> but we see here that people are like, listen, Saul, like, Jonathan is so incredibly faithful. Like, basically, the people say, Jonathan is actually faithful to the Lord. You're not about to kill this guy. <laughs> and Saul, you're a hot mess. Like, maybe just yeah. your role, guy. Yeah. So interesting. So then something else that caught my eye, too, was, so he's got, like, this jealousy factor going on. With Jonathan, but the last verse... His own son, uh, by the way. Yeah. The last verse talks about, um, basically, Saul is just constantly fighting the Philistines. Um, but then, at the end, it says, and when Saul... When Saul saw... Try saying that ten times. Saul saw seashells Saul by the saw seashore. Any strong man or any valiant, valiant man, excuse me, he attached him to himself. So I'm wondering if it's just like, oh, people really like Jonathan. So I got to find somebody that's better than him and attach him to myself because he's like trying to like squeeze Jonathan out. Well, he's also just trying to raise up the most powerful army he can. Mm-hmm. He's actually fulfilling Samuel's warning uh, in First Samuel 8. He said, like, you don't want a king because if you get a king, he's going to put all your sons yep. to work running his chariots and serving his mm-hmm. armies. It's exactly what he that's starts happening. to do. Yep. Whenever he sees somebody that seems like a warrior... They work for Saul. And I think from what we see, like what we will see tomorrow, this is like, it falls right into line with that. Like the Lord's going to get pretty sick of this pretty soon and just be like, all right, you're not the guy anymore. So crazy. So give your part. Oh, you're asking me. Yeah. That was sabotage. I I think the big thing here is rushing God. I mean, it's two things and it sort of helps me discern it, but Saul's definitely rushing God. Um, because he doesn't want to wait around for Samuel. Mm-hmm. So he want, he wants what he wants. He wants it right now. Now we can be somewhat gracious to Saul. He didn't have a cell phone. He didn't get an email. I mean, <laughs> he's literally waiting for Samuel to show up and he has no indication of how long yeah, it's going to take. Yeah. Uh, but he should have waited and he should have done it right. And so it's, there's two strikes against him. One, he's not waiting on the Lord and two, uh, he's not obeying his laws. And so I think, as I said earlier, I think it's incredibly applicable. Uh, it is so important to seek the Lord and trust that he is actually in control. The times when I have the highest faith crises is when I'm begging God to do something and he's not doing it fast enough. Yep. And oftentimes it's like, well, I've been asking God to do this for a couple of days. Why isn't he answering? He's not answering me. Is he even real? <laughs> and it's like, what? How did I get there so fast? Yeah. How did I get there so fast? When I have seen God work in incredible ways over and over and over again in my life, uh, how is it that when he doesn't work fast enough for me, which is not how you're supposed to treat God at all in mm-hmm. the first place, uh, I just start to doubt him all the time. altogether. Yep. Uh, it's, it's like embarrassing and it's foolish and it, it is something that I have not been cured of yet. <laughs> Same. You're not alone. So I think it's, it's an encouraging thing, um, to me that we need to discern the Lord's will. We need to stay like in connection and in, in community with God. Um, and we need to commit to trusting him mm-hmm. and waiting for him to work. So that's I would pretty good. I would agree with is, all of that. That is something I need to learn. So, all right, well, we'll be back again tomorrow. Tomorrow we are looking at for Samuel 15 through 17. So see you then. Bye. Bye. 
Thanks so much for listening to our take today. Before we get into the reading, if we could just ask you one thing, uh, if you've been enjoying the podcast, if you could subscribe to us and then leave a rating and review, we'd love to hear from you. And every rating we get helps us reach more people. Ultimately, we're just trying to reach people with the truth of God's word and your review will help us do that. So thanks so much for being invested in the podcast. Here's the reading for today. First Samuel chapter 13. Saul lived for one year and then became king. And when he had reigned for two years over Israel, Saul chose 3,000 men of Israel. 2,000 were with Saul in Michmash in the hill country of Bethel, and 1,000 were with Jonathan in Gibeah of Benjamin. The rest of the people he sent home, every man to his tent. Jonathan defeated the garrison of the Philistines that was at Geba, and the Philistines heard of it. And Saul blew the trumpet throughout all the land, saying, Let the Hebrews hear. And all Israel heard it and said that Saul had defeated the garrison of the Philistines, and also that Israel had become a stench to the Philistines. And the people were called out to join Saul at Gilgal. And the Philistines mustered to fight with Israel, 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen and troops, like the sand of the seashore in multitude. They came up and encamped at Michmash to the east of Beth-Avon. When the men of Israel saw that they were in trouble, for the people were hard-pressed, the people hid themselves in caves and in holes and in rocks and in tombs and in cisterns, and some Hebrews crossed the fords of the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. Saul was at Gilgal, and all the people followed him trembling. He waited seven days, the time appointed by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattering from him. So Saul said, Bring the burnt offering here to me, and the peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. As soon as he had finished offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him and greet him. Samuel said, What have you done? And Saul said, When I saw the people were scattering from me, and that you did not come within the days appointed, and that the Philistines had mustered at Michmash, I had said, Now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not sought the favor of the Lord. So I forced myself and offered the burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God, with which he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. And Samuel arose and went up from Gilgal. The rest of the people went up after Saul to meet the army. They went up from Gilgal to Gibeah of Benjamin. And Saul numbered the people who were present with him, about six hundred men. And Saul and Jonathan, his son, and the people who were present with them stayed in Gibeah of Benjamin. But the Philistines encamped at Michmash. And raiders came out of the camp of the Philistines in three companies. One company turned toward Orpha, to the land of Shaul. Another company turned toward Beth Haran. Another company turned toward the border that looks down on the valley of Zeboam, toward the wilderness. Now there was no blacksmith to be found throughout all the land of Israel. For the Philistines said, Lest the Hebrews make themselves swords or spears. But every one of the Israelites went down to the Philistines to sharpen his plowshare, his mattock, his axe, or his sickle. 
and the charge was two-thirds of a shekel for the plowshares, and for the mattocks, and a third of the shekel for sharpening the axes and for setting the goads. So on the day of the battle, there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any of the people with Saul and Jonathan, but Saul and Jonathan, his son, had them. And the garrison of the Philistines went out to the pass of Michmash. One day Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young men who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistine garrison on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying in the outskirts of Gibeah in the pomegranate cave at Migron. The people who were with him were about 600 men, including Ahijah, the son of Ahitub, Ichabod's brother, son of Phinehas, son of Eli, the priest of the Lord in Shiloh, wearing an ephod. And the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. Within the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistine garrison, there was a rocky crag on the one side and a rocky crag on the other side. The name of the one was Bozes, and the name of the other Senna. The one crag rose on the north in front of Michmash, and the other on the south in front of Geba. Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving the many or by few. And his armor-bearer said to him, Do all that is in your heart, do as you wish. Behold, I am with you, heart and soul. Then Jonathan said, Behold, we will cross over to the men, and we will show ourselves to them. If they say to us, Wait until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place, and we will not go up to them. But if they say, Come up to us, then we will go up, for the Lord has given them into our hand. And this shall be the sign to us. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, Look! Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they have hidden themselves. And the men of the garrison hailed Jonathan and his armor-bearer and said, Come up to us, and we will show you a thing. And Jonathan said to his armor-bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Then Jonathan climbed up on his hands and feet and his armor-bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan, and his armor-bearer killed them after him. And that first strike which Jonathan and his armor-bearer made killed about twenty men, within as it were half a furrow's length and an acre of land. And there was a panic in the camp, in the field, and among all the people. The garrison and even the raiders trembled, and the earth quaked, and it became a very great panic. And the watchmen of Saul and Gibeah of Benjamin looked, and behold, the multitude was dispersing here and there. Then Saul said to the people who were with him, Count and see who has gone out from us. And when they had counted, behold, Jonathan and his armor-bearer were not there. So Saul said to Ahijah, Bring the ark of God here, for the ark of God went at that time with the people of Israel. Now while Saul was talking to the priest, the tumult in the camp of the Philistines increased more and more. So Saul said to the priest, Withdraw your hand. Then Saul and all the people who were with him rallied and went into the battle. And behold, every Philistine's sword was against his fellow, and there was very great confusion. Now the Hebrews who had been with the Philistines before that time, and who had gone up with them into the camp, even they also turned to be with the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. Likewise, when all the men of Israel who had hidden themselves in the hill country of Ephraim heard that the Philistines were fleeing, they too followed hard after them in the battle. So the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle passed beyond Beth-Avon. And the men of Israel had been hard-pressed that day. So Saul had laid an oath on the people, saying, Cursed be the man who eats food until it is evening, and I am avenged on my enemies. So none of the people had tasted food. Now when all the people came to the forest, behold, there was honey on the ground. And when the people entered the forest, behold, the honey was dripping. 
but no one put his hand to his mouth, for the people feared the oath. But Jonathan had not heard his father charge the people with the oath. So he put the tip of his staff that was in his hand and dipped it in the honeycomb and put his hand to his mouth and his eyes because it was bright. Then one of the people said, Your father strictly charged the people with an oath, saying, Cursed be the man who eats food this day. And the people were faint. Then Jonathan said, My father has troubled the land. See how my eyes have become bright because I tasted a little bit of this honey. How much better if the people had eaten freely today of the spoil of their enemies that they found. For now the defeat among the Philistines has not been great. They struck down the Philistines that day from Michmash to Ahajlon, and the people were very faint. The people pounced on the spoil and took sheep and oxen and calves and slaughtered them on the ground, and the people ate them with the blood. Then they told Saul, Behold, the people are sinning against the Lord by eating with the blood. And he said, You have dealt treacherously. Roll a great stone to me here. And Saul said, Disperse yourselves among the people and say to them, Let every man bring his ox or his sheep and slaughter them here and eat, and do not sin against the Lord by eating with the blood. So every one of the people brought his ox with him, and that night they slaughtered them there. And Saul built an altar to the Lord. It was the first altar that he had built to the Lord. Then Saul said, Let us go down after the Philistines by night, and plunder them until the morning light. Let us not leave a man of them. And they said, Do whatever seems good to you. But the priest said, Let us draw near to God here. And Saul inquired of God, Shall I go down after the Philistines? Will you give them into the hand of Israel? But he did not answer him that day. And Saul said, Come here, all you leaders of the people, and know and see how this sin has arisen today. For as the Lord lives who saves Israel, though it be in Jonathan my son, he shall surely die. But there was not a man among all the people who answered him. Then he said to all Israel, You shall be on one side, and I and Jonathan my son will be on the other side. And the people said to Saul, Do what seems good to you. Therefore Saul said, O Lord God of Israel, why have you not answered your servant this day? If this guilt is in me or in Jonathan my son, O Lord God of Israel, give Urim. But if the guilt is in your people Israel, give Thummim. And Jonathan and Saul were taken, but the people escaped. Then Saul said, Cast the lot between me and my son Jonathan. And Jonathan was taken. Then Saul said to Jonathan, Tell me what you have done. And Jonathan told him, I tasted a little honey with the tip of the staff that was in my hand. Here I am, I will die. And Saul said, God do so to me and more also. You shall surely die, Jonathan. Then the people said to Saul, Shall Jonathan die, who has worked this great salvation in Israel? Far from it. As the Lord lives, there shall not be one hair of his head fall to the ground, for he has worked with God this day. So the people ransomed Jonathan, so that he did not die. Then Saul went up from pursuing the Philistines, and the Philistines went to their own place. When Saul had taken the kingship over Israel, he fought against all his enemies on every side, against Moab, against the Ammonites, against Edom, against the kings of Zobah, and against the Philistines. Wherever he turned, he routed them, and he did valiantly and struck the Amicalites, and delivered Israel out of the hands of those who plundered them. Now the sons of Saul were Jonathan, Ishvi, and Malkishua. And the names of his two daughters were these. The names of the firstborn was Mirab, and the name of the younger, Michael. And the name of Saul's wife was Ahinoam, and she was the daughter of Ahimaaz. And the name of the commander of his army was Abner, the son of Ner, Saul's uncle. Kish was the father of Saul, and Ner, the father of Abner, was the son of Abiel. There was hard fighting against the Philistines all the days of Saul. And when Saul saw any strong man or valiant man, he attached him to himself. 
Thanks so much for listening to God's Plan, Your Part. If anything stuck out to you, if you have any questions, or if you'd like to receive a Bible, you can email us at godsplanyourpart at gmail.com. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please consider supporting us through the link in our description. We love that you're on this journey with us, and we hope you have a great day. See you tomorrow.